beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus begins the Lord's Prayer by focusing our attention on God's kingdom priorities. While by nature we are inclined to seek our own honor and glory, the first petition teaches us to direct our whole life so God's name may be honored and praised. While by nature we are inclined to build our own little kingdoms on this earth, the second petition teaches us to seek the coming of God's kingdom. The same applies to the third petition, which we deal with this afternoon. Jesus taught us to pray, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. By nature, we're inclined to do what we want. And yet in this petition, we pray that God will help us to do His will as willingly and as faithfully as the angels in heaven. What did Jesus mean by God's will? What does it mean to pray that God's will be done? Sometimes we get mixed up about this. At times we pray for something that we desire, but that we're not sure God will grant. We might pray for healing when a loved one is sick. We might pray for a child when struggling with fertility issues. But because we don't know what God's plan for our life is, we pray, Father, we desire such and such, but your will be done. It's good for us to pray in that kind of a way. It shows that we're willing to accept what God has in store for us. But that's not what the third petition is all about. In a third petition, we're not praying for God to act in a certain way in our life. Instead, we're praying about how we are to act. We're not praying for our Father to carry out His secret plan for our lives and for this world. Instead, we pray that we may obey the will of God. And what is this will of God that we're speaking about? It's that we may live in obedience to His commandments. It's that instead of doing what we often feel like doing, we deny the sinful desires of the flesh and we do what pleases God. I preach to you God's Word under the following theme. Christ teaches us to pray for faithfulness in obeying our Father's will. In our prayer, we pray for help in denying our own will and in obeying God's perfect will. The Bible talks about the will of God in two different ways. We can talk about God's secret will and about His revealed will. Deuteronomy 29, verse 29, refers to both. It says, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. At times, this is confusing for us. and It gets in the way of properly understanding what we're praying for in the third petition. The secret will of God refers to His plan for this world and for each of our lives. From before the foundation of the world, God had a plan for each of our lives. He determined the time and the place and the circumstances into which each of us was born. He also set the day we would die. Psalm 139 says that our days were written in His book before one of them came to be. 
God holds our lives in his hands in such a way that not even a hair can fall from our head without his will. James 4 teaches us that in planning we should always say, the Lord willing, for we're not in control what happens in our lives. God is. And the Bible also speaks about the will of God in another way. It also refers to God's revealed will. God's revealed will consists of his commands and his precepts. He has made these known to us in his word. The Bible gives direction in what God forbids and what he commands for our lives. By studying God's word and by praying for the illumination of the Holy Spirit, God guides the lives of his children. The focus of the third petition is on the revealed will of God. In it, we're asking our Father to help us submit ourselves to His commandments and precepts. The issue is that by nature, we're inclined to want to do things opposed to God's will. And so we pray to our Father to help us deny our own will and to obey His will. We're asking Father in heaven to help us not to be self-seeking and self-serving, but instead to help us to love Him first and our neighbor as ourselves. Do you know why we face such a struggle to do God's will, to obey His commands? Ultimately, it's due to our fall into sin. With the fall into sin, we changed. By nature, we became totally corrupt and inclined to all evil. The Canons of Dort summarizes the Bible's teaching about this in chapter 3-4, article 1 talks about the effects of the fall into sin. It tells us how before the fall, man was adorned in his mind with a true and wholesome knowledge of his Creator and of all spiritual things. His will and heart were upright. All his affections, that's another word for desires, were pure. And therefore, man was completely holy. Yet with the fall, we brought on ourselves blindness, horrible darkness, futility, and perversement of judgment of his mind, wickedness, rebellion, and stubbornness in his heart and will, and impurity in all his affections, in all his desires. Now, to help us to understand what the third petition is all about, it's helpful to examine the life of Saul. We read together from 1 Samuel 13, Samuel had commanded Saul to go down to Gilgal and promised he would join him in seven days to offer burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before the Lord. Yet Saul could not wait for Samuel to arrive. He was in a precarious position. The Philistines had gathered to fight against him with 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, and people as numerous as the sand of the seashore. Saul's men were deserting him. What should Saul do? Saul feared if he didn't do something soon, his army would soon be scattered. He had waited the full seven days, and still Samuel was not there. He didn't want to go out into battle without the blessing of the Lord. Saul figured, why not just bend the rules a little bit? Samuel told me to wait for him, but what's the big deal? We're in dire straits. 
So Saul went ahead and offered the burnt offerings and the fellowship offerings. He did this even though he was not a priest, even though he did not have authority to do so. Samuel arrived shortly after this. He told Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God with which he commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. We also read together from 1 Samuel 15. At the beginning of the chapter, Saul was commanded to attack the Amalekites. The Lord says, I have noted what Amalek did to Israel in opposing them on the way when they came up out of Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek and devote to destruction all that they have. Do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. Saul and the people with him killed the Amalekites, except for King Agag. But it seemed like such a waste to kill all those nice herds and flocks. Why not just spare some of them? They could offer some to the Lord to make him happy, and then they could keep the rest. The Lord would be happy with that, wouldn't he? We've read the Lord's reaction. He was terribly displeased. He greatly regretted making Saul king. Samuel does not accept the excuses Saul tried to make to cover his sin. He said, as the Lord has great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than a fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination, and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Now, beloved, it's not hard for us to pick on the faults of King Saul. He was a weak and a sinful man whose heart was not devoted to the Lord as God. The problem is, is that our hearts are like Saul's heart. We have the same sinful nature. Just like him, it can be a struggle for us to deny our sinful desires and to do what God commands. The Lord has given us His commands for our benefit. In Deuteronomy 6.24, Moses said, The Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that He might preserve us alive as it is this day. But God's Word doesn't just teach us a bunch of random rules to live by. God's goal is not to impose commands to make us miserable. His law is for our benefit. It's there to protect us from falling into the hands of the devil. It's to allow us to live in the freedom Christ has earned for us. Sometimes we struggle with that. A single person who longs for a life's partner will sometimes meet someone attractive. A warm-hearted, caring, considerate, fun-loving person who seems ideally suited as a marriage partner. There's only one snag. This person is not a Christian. 
We know that God teaches us not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. So what do you do? Well, your brain tells you it's wrong. Don't start a relationship. But your heart pulls you so strongly in the other direction. You're lonely. You feel like you deserve some happiness in life. Why not just go ahead and start a relationship? Does God really mind that much? I'm sure that in time I can witness to that person, he or she will surely become a Christian. Doing the will of God can at times be really hard. There's times in life when it feels like we're caught between a rock and a hard place. Seems like doing God's will is like paddling upstream against a strong current. The alternative can be so enticing. We think that if we go the way of the world, it'll be easy sailing. We think that if we do what we want, we'll be happy. Do you really believe that, beloved? Do you think that what the world has to offer is really that attractive? Has our society really got solutions for all the troubles that ail us? When I look at society's divorce rates, the increasing rates of substance abuse, the high incidence of suicide, I simply don't believe it. Do you find that people around you are content? Do they have peace in their hearts? Have they got any kind of hope for the future? Please consider, beloved, how rich you really are. You have a wonderful Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's given His life to redeem you from your sins and misery. With His blood, He has purchased you as His own precious possession. Because of His great love for you, He has given you norms by which to live happy lives. He's planted His Spirit within you to renew you, to help you, to guide you and direct you so that you may do the will of your Father in heaven. The Lord has promised to bless those who heed His commandments. So as the psalmist says in Psalm 128, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in His ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. In the third petition, we pray for the Lord to help us walk in His ways. We pray that our gracious Father will give us the strength to deny our own will and do His will. We're praying that the Lord will help us to realize that His way is the right way and that He enables us to follow it. It's important for us to pray this petition every day. For in our lives, there's so often an ongoing struggle to deny our own desires and to do God's will. It brings us to our second point. 
And we'll see that praying the third petition involves not just denying our own sinful will, but also obeying God's perfect will. Beloved, I've got a question I want you to consider earnestly. Have you ever noticed a connection between your prayer life and how you're doing in your walk with the Lord? Have you ever had it that for a period of time you struggled with a particular sin in your life? During that time, did you notice anything about how you related to the Lord in prayer? One of the questions that elders will often ask in home visits is about whether or not we pray personally to the Lord. Paul taught us in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 to pray without ceasing. Paul teaches us that the whole of our life is to be lived in communion with God. But sometimes we have difficulty praying. Often it has to do with the fact that there's something in our life that's not right. I'm sure that most of you have experienced that in your relationship with the Lord. When you walk with the Lord, you can talk with Him. But when you can't talk with Him anymore, it's often because you refuse to walk with Him. We see this very clearly in the life of King Saul. Because of Saul's disobedience, the Lord rejected him as king over Israel. Saul refused to repent. 1 Samuel 16, 14 tells us that the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Now, for a time, David's heart playing soothed Saul. He would become refreshed and well. The evils would depart from him. Yet over time, Saul more and more rejected the ways of the Lord. He became envious of David because he realized the Lord had appointed him as Israel's next king. Although David was always good to Saul, Saul sought to kill him. Twice, while David was still at the palace, Saul threw a spear at him to try pin him to the wall. In later years, Saul persecuted David fiercely. Saul killed 85 members of the priestly family because they had provided David and his men with bread. You know how it all ended? In 1 Samuel 28, we read of how Saul was greatly afraid when the Philistines came out in battle against him. Verse 6 says, When Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, either by dreams or by Urim or by the prophets. Saul had forsaken the Lord. For many years he had gone his own way. And then when, when trouble struck, he all of a sudden wanted to inquire of the Lord. Although he had not walked with God, now he wanted to talk with him. Actually, Saul did not want to talk with God. He wanted God to talk with him. He wanted the Lord to tell him that he was with him and that he would help him in his battle against his enemies. The Lord did not answer Saul. And so Saul sought out a medium to bring back Samuel from the dead to tell him how he would fare in the battle. Samuel said to Saul, Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? Saul replied he was deeply distressed because the Philistines were making war against him, and the Lord had departed from him and would not answer him. 
He said, I have summoned you to tell me what to do. Samuel tells Saul that the Lord was fulfilling what he had said many years earlier. He was tearing the kingdom from out of Saul's hands because he refused to repent. Samuel was on to say that Saul would die in battle the next day, that the armies of Israel would fall into the hands of the Philistines. The next day when Saul was wounded by the archers, he falls on his own sword and dies. We see how Saul came under the Lord's curse. Because he refused to obey the will of the Lord, the Lord withdrew from him. Notice the steps. Disobedience. A breakdown in communion between man and God. And ultimately, death. So, beloved, where is your prayer life at today? Are you enjoying close communion with the Lord? Or do you feel cut off from Him? If you're unhappy, if discontentment lives in your heart, if you have no peace, please consider where you stand with God. Are you keeping His commandments? Are you living according to His Word? Are you doing His will? Beloved, if you can't answer those questions positively, you need to repent. If your prayers are hindered because something is amiss in your life, you need to get down on your knees. Pour out your heart before the throne of grace. Lay your sins before our gracious Father. The Lord loves a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. He will not despise. If you have confessed your sins and gotten rid of what stands between you and the Lord, then you can also pray the third petition. You can pray that the Lord will help you to do His will, that He may give you what you need to carry out the duties of your office and calling. Please understand, beloved, that when Jesus taught us a third petition, He was not asking us to do something He did not do Himself. Jesus came into this world to save us from our sins. He knew that to accomplish that, He would have to suffer and die. He would have to subject Himself to the agony and the shame of the cross. He would have to suffer the torment of Satan and his evil hosts. He would have to bear God's wrath against all our sins. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. The battle to do what God wanted him to do became intense for the Lord Jesus. He struggled so much that his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down on the ground. Yet in the midst of his agony, Jesus again prayed, My Father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. 
After finding his disciples sleeping, instead of praying for him, Jesus went away and prayed for a third time, saying the same words again. We read this afternoon from Hebrews 5. Verse 7 tells us that while he was on earth, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. Hebrews 5.8 tells us that although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. In his prayers, we see Jesus submitting himself to God's will. The first time he prayed, Jesus asked that if it was possible, the cup of suffering might pass him by. Yet the second and third times he prays, the emphasis is different. The main clause is not, let this cup pass by, but your will be done. We see how Christ learned obedience. Through his prayers, he prayed for and received strength to do what he had to do, to die on the cross, to suffer God's wrath against all our sins. Through Christ, we have been redeemed from sin and death. In grace, he has delivered us from the punishment we deserve. Out of thankfulness, let us now then submit our lives to God. Let us be obedient to his revealed will. Let us deny our own will and do what God wants us to do. Beloved, it will be a struggle but we can ask our Father in heaven to help us with this. He granted the prayers that the Lord Jesus Christ offered to him. Since our prayers are covered by the blood of Christ, our Father will hear them as well. By the power of his Spirit, he will equip and strengthen us so that more and more we may deny our own sinful desires and do what pleases him. Beloved, there is a spiritual battle being fought. A battle between the forces of darkness and the forces of light. Your souls are the battleground. At stake is your very salvation. Let us earnestly pray to our Heavenly Father that He will help us deny our own will and do what He wants us to do. Let us ask Him to grant us His grace and spirit so we may live by his commands. The pathway of obedience is one God will bless. God has promised a great reward to those who honor him by obeying his commands. John said in 1 John 2, 17, And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. In Revelation 22:14, Jesus said, Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. By learning obedience, God will allow us to share in the eternal blessings Christ has earned for us. Amen.
In response to the gospel message, let's rise and sing from Psalm 25, stanzas 2 and 4. <laughs> 